to give each other the impression that we're the best of friends and we would share all the information and then always hold that one little piece on the side. <laughs> oh, oh, wait, really? No, oh, oh, wait, I thought I was your best friend. What are you talking about? <laughs> Welcome to the Juiceless Chronicles, a weekly podcast concerning the mundane, interesting, and maybe even sometimes dramatic happenings of a simple fantasy baseball dynasty league. This podcast chronicles the thoughts and musings of Greg, Joe, Jack, and Tim, four of the ten owners of the league. This is episode four, entitled The Weirdness. All right, Jack, welcome back. We missed you last week on the cast, and we really wanted to make sure we had a chance to get your, well, not so preseason, preseason predictions. Again, it's something that you and I have done for decades, and uh, I always love it. So I'd really love to know who you think the division champs are going to be out of the champions division, division A, division B, who you think the wild card is, and ultimately who you think is going to take home the trophy. Um. All right, so I, I actually, um, I was able to listen to you guys, the three of you actually run this down um, last week, and I, I found it interesting, and I thought um, that it seemed like just a, a lot of uh, internal ass-kissing um, within the group, and that was very nice of you guys. But then I, <laughs> but then I sat down and did it myself, and, uh, and, and can't say that I came up with a whole lot of different um, situation. So, um, I, um, I'll start off by saying I as well, uh, left myself off of the list. Um, I found it funny that, that out of the three of you, Joe, uh, was, um, very outspoken and, and dominant in his winning of his division, um, where, <laughs> where the two of you. Isn't that strange? Like, I was thinking the same thing. Like typically he's usually in the background. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, I um, uh, the champions division, which you know, another interesting aspect of the champions division, uh, you know, the um, the assumption and 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 not always true. Um, in in fact, the first year we did it, it wasn't true, and it's been the assumption both seasons is the number one seed is going to come out of that division. Um, and if the number one seed comes out of that division, that means the second team, if the second team was to come out of that division is going to be the four immediately. And those two teams won't end up playing in the championship for the, the next year. So it's another kind of weird aspect to it. Um, that said, neither of those things happened in the first year we did it. And we were, you know, everyone was pretty confident. Now I believe it's going to happen more in future years than it did the first year. Um, anyway, back to the original point. Um, that division is going to be tight. Um, I, I think if my guys stay healthy, um, I have just as good a chance as anybody in that division. Um, I don't think my guys are going to stay healthy, and uh, and they've already kind of started that on me. 
Um, so when I look at the depth, I look at uh, at at, um, at the players on the field and um, who I expect to be able to, to stay healthy over the course of the season, which is becoming more and more, it seems like, a, a, a factor. Um, I am going to go with Ronan to win the division. Um, and uh, and I, I do believe it's going to come down to the final game uh, between you and uh, and Greg, and I believe that, uh, that you're going to pull that one off. Um, so moving down to the A division, I thought it was interesting. I thought the... Um, I thought the A division was going to be the the closest one. I, that's going to be the, that was the hardest one for me to call, quite honestly. And um, uh, after careful deliberation, I, I just think Joe has the most stars. And um, if it was three really good teams, it'd be that might not be the case because I also think Joe has some of the the worst starters. So, um, but I think his stars are good enough. He's gonna that's gonna put him over. So I got Joe winning that division. And um, but I, that one was the toughest to call. Um, I, I don't think Mike's going to have any trouble with the uh, with the other two down there. I think Mike's going to improve, um, and uh, so I think he's going to easily take the uh, the B division. I thought that too. Like I didn't really spend a lot of time going through the B division because it seemed to me like you know Chris and Pops are really. You know, you can kind of see it more with Chris's team with uh, St. Locash that he's really focused on on building for the future. But that Pops, you know, is I, I don't really know what Pops is doing right now. But what if Mikey kind of runs into a couple injuries? I think his team has a flaw like mine in that he's got some he doesn't really have a strong, strong enough bench that I would see some of the other contenders having. What happens if all three are down and then and then the incentive becomes not to get in the champions because there's a distinct disadvantage to being in the champions division on a couple of levels from a drafting perspective. And if you're limping into the playoffs, there's, there's, yeah, that was, um, as kind of, I, I was in that position last year. I, I kind of limped into the playoffs. I didn't, uh, expect to, to win the championship last year. And at that point it became uh, uh, kind of a negative because now I got to go through it. Um, it, very possible. I think Mikey again has um, enough big bats to to withstand uh, um, a couple of injuries. Unless it's those big bats, I think Chris Bryant uh, is going to have an MVP season this year. Um, so uh, you know, it's probably Mike's dad. I don't think really is in in the discussion. Sorry, pops. Um, Chris, ironically enough, seems to hit on on not even projection guys but but middle of the season pickups that Valar and 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 Jose Ramirez and if he hits on enough of those then all of a sudden he's motivated to not trade his staff and to play the season out and um you know he could sneakily creep up on 500 and if those things happen with Mike then yes I could see I could see that as a possibility but doubtful my money's on Mike and then, uh, yeah, I'm with you too. And but just to play out a different scenario, looking at a division with Rudin Metal and the Dreamers, you actually have the wild card coming out of the Champions Division, um, and, which which I was surprised at. So, uh, and you called Reardon out of the out of that A division, right? 
Correct. So I'm guessing, and Greg pointed this out last week, is that the Dreamers have a lot of kind of players that it's really hard to figure out what's going to happen. They're young. Are they going to be able to last the entire season? I guess what you're looking at is saying, you know what, there's just too much, there's too many questions out there to, to kind of do a preseason champions or at least a division champion. In my opinion, it won't surprise me. It was the toughest one to call for sure. The, the Out of the three. And, and those were the, the two that, yeah, that it was the toughest one to call. And it just came down to, to Trout, Altuve, uh, uh, Machado. And, and, uh, you know, the guys got a, a, a slew of guys that, uh, and I, again, I love Will Myers this year. So um, yeah, I like Joe. Who just Playoffs, hit for the cycle last night. <laughs> I like, um, uh, I like the uh, Reardon over Lethal, um, Smokeland over Ronan, get his, his revenge, and I do like Smokeland to win the championship this year. Um, Well-deserved. Well I'm with you, Jack. I'm with you. So there you go. Uh, Smokeland Pathetics, preseason champs. Let's see if they can be postseason champs. Okay, gentlemen, we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to take a break now. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about week one. Team surprises, who surprised you up, who surprised you down. And then uh, an interesting segment about, you know, which of the contenders should be should be worried? Which one of us or someone who's maybe not on this call should be worried? Greg, I'd like to hand it over to you, hand the microphone over to you, and really have your take on who you think the week one team surprises are. Really, who you know, who surprised you up, who surprised you down. Uh, you know, it's one week. There's 18 weeks left. However, you know, you kind of take a look at this week. Everyone's excited. Come into this league. We made our, our uh, preseason uh, uh, predictions, and boom, week one happens. So what's your take? Yeah, there were there were two really big surprises that stood out, one in a positive way and one not so much. Um, you know, on the positive side, I, I got to give credit to, to Omission Commission. You know, I, I was particularly rough on them during the preseason uh, outlook broadcast that we did. Uh, you know, I, I think I talked about them having a bunch of mid-level prospects, uh, not being exciting and actually causing me some pain as I looked at the roster. I, I, was, I was that vicious. Uh, but you know what? Um, those, those prospects uh, did well. And, and, and maybe their one-year outlying seasons aren't going to be outlying seasons. Maybe that's going to be more of their established norm. And if that's the case, if those guys can produce um, close to what they've shown they're capable of in their, in their really breakout seasons, this could be a formidable team. Um, you know, they have, a, they have a strong bench. They have some young players who could provide, um, you know, who I think are going to perform well. But if they outperform expectations, then in that division, this could be a really interesting race between those three teams in that division. Um, you know, with Cardinals as a pitching staff, I think they're solid from top to bottom. If unspectacular, uh, they're going to be an 85-87 win team as a, as a pitching staff and all the good that comes with that. So uh, credit and kudos to Scott on putting on the field 
a winning team, you know, third in the power rankings after week one, which is uh, no joke. They won they won in a, in a strong fashion, and I think sent a message to the rest of the league. They did, and they won a close game, right? I mean, it's tough to be St. Locash. You know, they lost by two points. St. Locash had the fourth highest uh, points. Uh, Omission had the third. You look at Real Muto, 6.8 as a catcher. That's big in our league. He's not going to bat 500 for the rest of the year, but a couple of dingers. Maybe that power's here. Uh, you know, you look at Adam Eaton, you look at Pollock. I mean, these are some guys that, you know, we expect to do well, and they did really well. So if he can sprinkle it in there and, uh, you know, again, could do some damage, could really shake up our preseason rankings for sure. He's done it before. I mean, he, he you know, he made the playoffs with <clears throat> a bunch of guys that, that, you know, we didn't have. I mean, he has first, if I remember correctly, his first draft pick was, was Dozier. Uh, coming into the league, his his um, Frazier he got at, uh, in the uh, expansion draft, and and uh, again put together that team that was you know good enough to squeak into the playoffs, not good enough to do any damage once they got there. Uh, but here you are again with you know Justin Turner and, and Adam Eaton and and Crawford and uh, you know even Shaw, um, you know all of those guys. Yeah, they they could perform and on again in that division. It's a uh, it's a weird one. It's um, it's going to be interesting to watch this year. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, for me on the flip side, uh, not to hurt our host's feelings, but uh, but Tim, I have to tell you, I was pretty surprised. Not that you lost per se, because you're not uh, invincible, but to see you lose in such, um, you know, uh, such 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 a such a weak fashion, oh, low, lowest point or second lowest points for the week. I don't remember which it was, but. It's just not what we've come to expect. You know, uh, teams need to bring their best to beat you. And um, this week, uh, you know, I was kind of wishing I'd played you, you know, uh, this past week. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean to me that I'm ready to make my, my predictions changed. I still think that uh, the talent that you have on your roster is undisputable. Um, but, yeah, no, no one can deny that it must have been a tough and painful week for you, uh, that enthusiasm of, opening day uh dampened a little bit for you huh i wish i had played me last week let me tell you i mean it was just super frustrating and the fact that that you know i took the giants over the mets i think is going to define my season i think this is just it's setting up to be you know the the just the big mistake from a pitching staff perspective all the work i did to get to to fourth and then taking the giants and having them just kind of you know not perform well Having said that, my staff outperformed uh, LJ's Funk and Punk staff, the Blue Jay staff, and I still got whopped, um, mm -hmm. you know, by uh, what six points. So, you know, I I got a lot of work to do. I, I got a lot of work to do. You know, as far as um, contenders that I think should be most worried after Week One, though, it's not you. Uh, I I think Joe really should be worried after Week One. You know, he's in a suddenly very impressive division. I, you know, I almost chose um, the Dreamers as my surprise up, but I didn't because it wasn't all that surprising. You know, they're a team that I, I, I thought has a lot of talent, if unknown talent. But uh, now that um, the Omission Commission made such a strong statement, um, I think that Joe has something to worry about. Um, and, and I look at Joe's roster after a week, and boy, Except for Trout, uh, his outfield and his DH are looking old. You know, it pains me to say 
that Kutch doesn't seem to be, you know, bouncing back. And although he's a slow starter, he sure looks as lost and frustrated at the plate as he did last year. Pujols, you know, uh, stud that he is, you know, he's getting older. You know, one of these years is going to be the year that the wheels coming off the bus for Pujols. And, um, you know, Herrera, you know, uh, doesn't scare me. I mean, Joe might have the best infield in our league. I think it's probably arguable that he does have the best infield. But that outfield may be his Achilles heel and prevent him from competing if the Dreamers and the Omission Commission uh, perform like they did last week. I mean, my gosh, first and third in the power rankings. That's no joke. Yeah, I, um, as opposed to not being um, redundant, I will, um, I'll, I'll not spend as much time on the omission commission, but again, was kind of impressive. The Dreamers, however, um, I mean, they had the high score. Um, and again, we were, you know, just talking about how, you know, they would need everything to click in order to to produce and, and to be one of those teams. And um, I, I mean, quite honestly, you know, not quite everything clicked, but uh, they didn't need it. The, the Mets, uh, as you mentioned, got them a nine uh, plus. Brandon Belt, I, I, all, that guy has obviously arrived. Um, <laughs> uh, an eight, three home runs for the week. Um, solid numbers. Corey Seager, 6.4. Donaldson got his normal 5.4. Freeman, again, um, I'll talk about him a little bit later this year, but uh, or this, uh, this uh, podcast, but he's uh, uh, just strong. So, you know, almost 50 points, um, high score overall. Um, Again, not a huge surprise because we did say if they offered it together, it would happen, and uh, they just they did put it all together at least for this week, and um, so that's going to be my uh, my up surprise. My um, my down surprise will be uh, uh, yeah the the fact that I just kind of mentioned it for the first time ever in twenty something years. Um, and again, it's it's a week, Tim. We'll we'll get past it. But uh, Tim and I are uh, we found ourselves back to back on the power pole many times. Um, we found ourselves back to back on the end of the power pole many times, just not this end. So <laughs> so I uh, I did expect a little bit more out of the guys um, after uh, after week one. Um, I know he's getting a little older. Uh, not as old as, as as he seems. It seems like Miguel Cabrera is 38. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm going to need more than two hits a week out of that guy. You know, it's interesting, though, when I think about both of your teams, you know, I mean, whether we admit it or not, uh, we, we probably have a tendency to, to choose players who are from our favorite teams. I mean, that's certainly true of me. That's true of Tim. You know, you too, Jack. And, and, you know, and you look at last week's weather, that April weather, and those northern teams, you know, uh, snow squalls and, and, you know, conditions that weren't conducive for hitting. And then you look at, like, guys, like, on the Omission Commission, like Rio Muto, and, and I can't help but, you know, wonder, in the Texas <laughs> Rangers, a couple of notable Rangers, um, you know, uh, and, and, you know, that, that's why I'm not worried about either of you in the long term because it's going to warm up in Boston and Philly and Detroit, and so uh, your players are going to be just fine. That's a good point. It, it, it definitely, uh, it definitely. If I, I literally, you know, decided not to use Upton this week, 
for that reason. Um, he uh, he started out slow last year in his first time up north, and um, I'm just going to let him start out slow this year if that's what he's going to do, let it warm up and pop him in there at that point uh, uh, for the season. As far as um, worried, um, contender that should be worried, uh, Greg made some very good points um, concerning Joe and that division. Um, I uh, Outside of that, I... Like I said, Tim, I, I um, as long as Tim tries to is is going to try to win, then I'm not. I, I don't think that he has anything to be worried about. At some point, uh, earlier than others, sometimes he may decide that he's going to go a different direction throughout the season. But um, outside of that, I, I I have reasons to be worried. Um, you know, I have old guys and I have fragile guys, and and those two things do not. Uh, do not do well over 162 games. So, um, <clears throat> you know, Batista has been banged up since before the season started, you know, from, from the, the world as has Cabrera. Um, so, uh, you know, I lose those two guys and, and all of a sudden it's a, it's a, it's a whole different ball game. I've already lost, uh, you know, Turner. I started the season without Brantley. So um, because of the age of my team combined with the fact that, uh, that, that, that they tend to be a little brittle, um, I, I'm just not expecting a whole, whole lot out of them this year. Again, you know, they stay healthy. I think I'm, I'm right there with everyone else. But because of those reasons, uh, I wouldn't bet on them as quick as I would have in the past. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great take, Jack. And I appreciate, uh, you know, what you're talking about here. For me, uh, you know, obviously the surprise down was was my team. My team was not built to be the lowest scoring team, period. Uh, and, you know, I could have, I could be exposed on the bench, but really it wasn't my bench that contributed to this. It was, you know, I made some trades, you know, Encarnacion uh, just completely just, you know, didn't do well. Actually watching the game tonight, he went 0 for 4. So did Abreu, by the way. But, you know, maybe that's that cold weather effect that, uh, you know, Greg was trying to, to sell us on. But the reality is, is that um, I just don't feel settled about my team. And, and when I don't feel settled, I mean, the, the, the times that I've won, I, there's a level of confidence I have. There's a sense that I've projected right, that, uh, that even if they hit some doldrums, I know it's a marathon as opposed to a sprint, and I'm feeling good. I am not feeling good right now. And coming out of the gates and, and, and really just underwhelming like that uh, really makes me pause, really makes me kind of go through. I was going through my, my team, and Jack, you alluded to this, going through my team and saying, okay, you know, where's my problems? Where's my issues? What do I need to do now to make this happen? And, uh, you know, maybe we can talk about trading later, but, you know, having to overpay for trading has, you know, uh, also made it difficult because the the overpay is uh, something that I'm having, you know, trouble trying to, uh, you, you know, to, to pull off the overpay trade. I'm really having trouble trying to execute that. So if I can't trade, you know, I may kind of decide early on, you know what, not going this year, maybe it's 2019 for me and I'll be fighting with low cash uh, for, for the championship. So interesting thing. Again, don't want to overstate week one. We'll see what happens week two. As I'm watching the scores tonight, you know, I'm playing the Pathetics, who I played last game of the season too, by the way. 
uh, and the pathetics are, are thumping me right now. So, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think Omission Commission. So, Greg, I have the exact same take you did. Omission Commission. This is a team that we spent a lot of time talking about. We, we've had a lot of trouble trying to break this team down and figure out, you know, what is this team really about? What is Scotty really trying to do here? He's one of the mo- more mysterious owners. We don't really have him figured out. Uh, you know, Jack, it was amazing that you were able to know what he drafted and who he drafted. I remember us kind of really giggling when he picked Dozier. And boy, do I look like an idiot right now because that guy, you know, has done nothing but just rake and hit homers in a cavernous ballpark in the middle of, like, you know, southern Canada. So, I, you know, for me, uh, you know, I think omission commission you know, they could easily just kind of fade, you know, over the next four or five weeks. They could. But, I mean, this is a guy who has Bregman. He has uh, Anthony Rendon. You know, he's got, you know, he's got some players. He's got Greg Bird. Uh, he's got some guys, um, uh, uh, Jonathan Scope out of Baltimore. These interesting kind of players. Even an Aaron Judge, you know, if that guy just hits 260 and 30, I mean, that's that's a top. 25 outfielder, top 20 outfielder in our league. So we'll see. It'll be interesting to watch uh, as we go along. Uh, From a contender standpoint, I think you guys obviously know it's me. It's my team. I am worried. I should be worried. Nothing is going as planned. (laughs) Nothing is going as planned to everybody can see that. So for me, the the contender that should be worried is me, uh, you know, and uh, and nobody else, because that that just was a putrid showing. And I'm not coming out of the gate strong this week. You know, you go down three, four games early in the season. It is incredibly difficult to claw your way back. Uh, the parity in this league is such that, you know, it, it, you're not going to have an easy two games in a row. It's just not going to happen. So your ability to get players on a hot streak um, enough mix that some players are hot and some aren't, and then the then it kind of flops and flips, is is really tough to do. I remember one of the the highest scoring teams I had was a team where everyone was hot at the same time and then everyone was cold at the same time. So I'd be scoring seventy points and then thirty points, and that is the most frustrating, the most frustrating. <laughs> uh, and and specifically try to build a team that doesn't have those highs and lows. But, you know, I've tended to, rather than 290 hitters, I now have a lot of 260 hitters, and I think that's what I'm in store for. So I think, I, I think I'm the one that should be worried. Okay, gentlemen. Well, thank you. Uh, great takes. And we're going to come back. We're going to take a break here. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk about specifically some players that we believe will outperform projections or will underperform, underperform these preseason projections from a, a number of different sources. And then we're going to go through and rate the 2017 player draft which uh, is is a fascinating thing in our league specifically because we cut off when someone can pick up a player on August 31st. No players can be picked up until a week before the Major League Baseball opening day. And it'll be interesting to kind of break down what players were picked when. I'm looking forward to it. This is, this is, this is Bobby, not the ordinary. <laughs> you won't hear that, don't you? Yeah. 
Hey yo, the 20 beat up a little bit this number tell them I was trying to tell them. You got me? Old man Joe. Like Tony Socks, there we throw your ass in the cobra clutch. The man watch as your whole head opens up. Sober up, diggy. It's the Bob Dizzy. We throw dots in the air that float like a frisbee. My neck is fucked, bitten glass, go with crispy. Love my whiz, but y'all does, nigga, miss me. A bionic, my chronic child, the dizzy juice. My fist fast as bruise. You better call a truce. Welcome back, everybody. We're going to talk in this segment about players that we think will outperform the preseason projections, players that we think will underperform uh, preseason projections. And then we're going to take a look at the 2017 juiceless player draft, uh, which is, uh, you know, for me, I'm pretty excited to hear what Greg and what Jack are thinking about from the player draft. These are guys that really do their homework, really understand the players. And so uh, I'm going to learn a bit uh, from them, I'm sure. So a player that I think will outperform projections is a guy by the name of Francisco Lindor. This is a guy who, whatever the case is, when he was in low A, it was a light-hitting defense-first middle infielder. And so I immediately put him on the scrap heap. And since this guy has come into the major leagues, he's done nothing but rake. He's hitting power. He's already had, he already has four home runs. He had another home run today, four home runs this year. Uh, he potentially could hit 20 home runs as a shortstop in, in the major leagues. And that is a valuable commodity in our fantasy uh, fantasy league. So this is a guy that I think, you know, he's, he's a big kid. He's got a beautiful swing. He doesn't give anything up at the plate. He's going to have a higher batting average than Dozier. But, you know, chance he's not going to hit 40 home runs. But, boy, if he hits 25 home runs, 27 home runs, that is incredibly powerful because he's sitting on top of the Cleveland lineup that I think will be very productive. And so he's going to get the runs. You know, he's going to get some RBIs. It's a deep line ba- uh, lineup. So when he comes back around the batting order, I think there'll be guys on base. So I think Francisco Lindor is a guy – who we're going to take a look back and over the next couple of years and say, geez, you know, LJ was really smart on picking him up and, and keeping him in his lineup because he's going to outperform uh, what I think I, you know, what I thought. And really, if you've read any magazines, um, even the websites, they did not have him performing at the level he's performing. You know, I, I think he really benefits from being on the Indians at this particular time as well. You know, uh, heralded rookie, high, highly rated prospect. You know, there, that's pressure. But when when you're playing on such a deep lineup, when you have protection in the lineup, and your uh, city, your fan base isn't relying upon you uh, to necessarily carry a team, I think that um, that's got to be that's got to be a benefit to a young player. And you know, being around professional hitters like the, the, the Indians have in their lineup, that's got to be uh, beneficial to him as well. So I, I think you're spot on with that um, with that analysis, Tim. Who, who do you think? Oh, uh, you know, when I looked at this, I, I was thinking about uh, the Dreamers again. And uh, because they, they have a whole team of, of, of players who I thought might see some regression from just crazy starts to their careers. But they also have the player that I think has uh, some potential to really start uh, progressing, and it's Jock Peterson. You know, um, you know, he's not coming out of nowhere. He's uh, a couple, three years ago was the the number one prospect, hitting prospect in baseball, and um, you know, three, two in his third year now, 
I think people were looking at him as a disappointment. But he had some really good, solid seasons in his age 22 and 23-year-old seasons. Were they Bryce Harper-like? Were they Trout-like? No. But um, I've seen this kid's uh, strikeout-to-walk ratio heading in a positive direction in his first two years. And I think now that, uh, you know, he's been up there for two years. I think the pressure's off. Um, I, I really expect good things from him on a solid Dodgers team. Um, I, I, you know, he's my guy who I think is going to, you know, reach the high 90s in terms of fantasy point production rather than the, the 80s. Uh, I, I see big things for him this year. I could see that. Yeah, right? I mean, he could be special. I mean, you know, he he's he's hit, he hit in the minors. He hit for a good average in the minors. Um, he does have a, a swing, some swing and miss in his game. But to your point, Greg, depending on where he hits in that lineup, he could actually be seeing, uh, you know, quite a few more fastballs than 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 not. And you know, with that kind of power, the ability to go through a nice warm summer in Southern California where that ball is going to travel, you know, he he could be special. He could be special. We, you have a you have a total crush on the Dreamers team, don't you? Well, I mean, they're it's hard not to be excited about a team like that. You know, yeah. like I said, the the fun of this league is um, is finding prospects. You know, selecting the right prospects and then having the patience to see which one of them uh, pan out. And you know, if I go fifty fifty, I'm psyched. But that Dreamers team, prospectively. Uh, it's going to be hitting on a lot of really uh, solid prospects, and that that's got to be really fun for Eldon and Dustin. It's depressing to hear you say that. <laughs> Stay away from the prospects. That used to be my thing, man. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they have the uh, they have the team that um, that when I when I would play baseball video games, I, I was um, you couldn't use your team, you couldn't use your guys because they was too good. You'd kill everybody. So I would use those guys, the the guys, the young up and coming guys. Their stats weren't too high in the game yet, but you got excited about them because they were exciting players, like the Seegers, and um, that's that's what he has. He has a team of those guys, and right now they're playing at at, at video game level. We'll see if they can keep it up. So Jack, your take? Um, so I have um. For outperforming, that's what we're doing. I, I I have a list that I put together, and I just want to throw a couple names out there. Just uh, uh, Real Muto, I, I'm a believer. I've, I've said that for a while. I think he's going to have a great year. Jose Ramirez, probably the most underrated fantasy player in baseball, and now he's gone from eligibility from outfield and third to now middle infield as well. Um, that guy's going to be a, a, a stud, and, and very few people know about it. And then Odor um, is another guy. And again, projections from now. He he was supposed to be a stud, and and but projection-wise, they don't have him. He could very easily um, take over that division. Um, but the two guys that I came down to ultimately, and and, and I'm having a hard time. Uh, no Marmazara, and um, you know again preseason projections. He's obviously people are a lot more excited about him a week in, uh, but I, I expect that guy to hit. 40 this year and and for many more. Um, and then really my, my number one guy is going to be uh, Will Myers. Uh, Will, that dude, uh, again, came in to the league uh, a few years ago, but came in as a, a very, very strong prospect. 
Um, his first year with Tampa, he, you know, he had uh, 330 at bats, uh, but 23 doubles, 13 homers. He had 53 RBIs during that time. His uh, OPS was actually higher that year than it was last year uh, with San Diego. And, um, you know, last year was the first year uh, that he played more than 90 games. He's never played more than 88 games in a season for a multitude of reasons. Uh, and uh, put together 157. He called 2020 at the beginning of the year, uh, did 28-28. And then I think I mentioned in the last podcast, he, uh, he's called 40-40 for this year and, uh, and has started out uh, very strong. So I, I like Will Myers a lot. And, uh, and I haven't seen him in, in anybody's top 10 list. And uh, on first baseman, and and I expect him to finish top five, maybe better. Jack, Jack, how much do you take into consideration, like the the effects of ballparks? I mean, obviously I, we I, all talk about I, cores, but I, I avoid Padres. Yeah, I understand, and I do. And every now and then, there's a special situation. It, it and, and the Padres have the double uh, uh, negative of of the the ballpark and the lineup. Um, so, so generally, you're right. Generally, nine times out of ten, uh, it's a situation to stay away from. Somehow, uh, on a team that that may have scored 102 runs last year, he had 94 RBIs and 99 runs scored. Um, so again, I, I agree with you, and and I'd be scared to see what this new Will Myers, who again I believe in. Uh, would do outside of San Diego if and when he gets outside of San Diego. Um, I just think he he really is that he's good enough to to be able to warrant those numbers even in that situation. But I understand and agree with what you're saying, and, and I generally do take it into account. Jack, who well, was the I... uh, who was the outfielder? Sorry, Greg, who was the outfielder no, that uh, played for the Marlins but also played for San Diego with that you, that batting stance where he'd be flipping the bat around. You remember, you remember who I'm talking? Did Sheffield? He, yeah, Sheffield. Did he play for San Diego? Yeah, yeah, he played. Um, yeah, he came through uh, uh, Milwaukee, San Diego, and then ultimately Florida. Right, yeah. right. So he was able to hit in San Diego. Yeah, but that was pretty yeah. Petco, he I think. MVP in San Diego. That was a different team, different year, you know, but yeah. He, park. I, I think it gets to that point, though. It's it's the same climate, right? It was still a big park, but the 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 team around him was a lot better. And, and d- does this team... Do the Padres, you know, have with, are they better? Uh, yeah, yeah they... <laughs> that I think that's the question, right? You've got Renfro, you've got uh, Margot, you've got some young guys that that really and Margot can can he can rake. Will Myers can rake. Uh, they got rid of some of the, you know, they got rid of um, who's that guy that just uh, second baseman who hits like two thirty and and twenty five home runs. He's playing for uh, uh, St. Louis right sure. now. Yeah, Jerko. Jerko. And Jerko. Right. So I, it seems like they're putting together a team of real players, and the question becomes, which I think was a great question, Greg, do are, are you getting in early on this market, and is it a real market, or is it just another mirage? Well, it's always going to be San Diego, and it's always going to hurt uh, power numbers. Again, it, that's just a. However, like I said, some guys are are special enough to. To be able to compensate for that in in uh, in other ways, and and I believe he's one of them. I agree, but you know what frustrates me about the Padres is that they're they they have this internal identity crisis where they always seem to think that they're on the cusp of com- of being competitive, 
And so they don't trade the players that I wish they'd trade. I mean, Will Myers would look so much better in a Red Sox uniform. Would he not, Tim? Right, right, yeah. No, yeah, I, you know what? I'll stitch it up for him. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yes. and if they, had, if they had, you know, common sense, they would say, you know what, Myers, even though he's 28 or 29, you know, his window is now and ours is not. Let's trade him. Let's get some good players back. But they won't. They won't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys. Uh, underperform. You know, when I when I thought about underperformers, um, you know, I kind of mentally eliminated the guys from last year who were like 110 plus fantasy point producers, uh, because even if they under, I do think some of them are going to underperform by that standard, but still be among the elite. And you know, so like the one that leaps to mind, Tim, unfortunately. This is pile on uh, Tim Day is Mookie, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I we were talking about Fred Lynn last week, and, and Mookie had like a Fred Lynn type season last year, and although I think he's legit, there's no question of that. I, you know, I, I would be surprised if he were that legit, you know. But still, he's going to be a hundred point guy. So the player who I'm looking at who's going to disappoint is going to go from being a uh, a top line fantasy player to, I think, a marginal player, and it's Todd Frazier for the White Sox. You know, second half of last year, he stopped hitting home runs, and he started striking out at a ridiculous rate. And uh, although he's young, he's 31, 32, I think he's going to be that uh, that type of guy who, like a Scott Rowland or a Chris Sabo, who has like a five-year peak and then just falls off the shelf and, and regresses to... 17, 18 home runs, 220, and 180 strikeouts. That's what I see for Todd Frazier. And he, and, and unlike Lindor, unlike some of the other players that we talked about on the Rangers, he doesn't have a team around him that's going to give him real protection. Um, so I, I think he's my candidate for for likely to fall off in a big way. So you think it's his time, right? You you just I it, do. It is his time. And that's a big fall. I mean, he is a you know a top twenty-five player in our league preseason. That that was the the estimate, and you know he he's you know not there. Jack, do you have anybody? Um, I do. Yeah, I um, again. Um, to be fair, in in the situation, I, I am concerned about uh, Miguel and uh, and Joey Bats. Both those guys again. Um, They've led my team for many years. They've won me championships. Um, and, uh, again, they're not 40. Um, you know, like I said, Miggy's a, a, a third, what, 32, um, but a old beat-up 32. So um, those two guys concern me a little bit. Um, my, my actual um, choice, and I think I mentioned this last week, uh, last time I was on as well, uh, is McCutcheon. I think he's done. Um I, I just, for whatever reason, it, it, it watching him play, watching his swing, watching his facial expressions. Um, me personally, I, I just think that um, that he's no longer uh, an elite player, and um, and even then, he was dropped down a little bit in the rankings, and 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 I think he may deserve to be a little further down than than even that, or or will end up further down than even that by the time it's over. One of the best guys in baseball, right? Oh. He's such a role model in Pittsburgh, and he and he's you know by all accounts a great guy, and I you know I watch 
pretty much every pirate game. And you're right, Jack. He, he looks lost at the compl- at the plate. He's pressing. Um, you know, I, I thought to myself, maybe you should go get glasses. But the only potential silver lining I see for your team relative to Kutch is that he might be traded. Um, you know, if he, he keeps hitting like this, nobody's going to want him. But if he can, if he can put something together, and he's a slow starter traditionally. If he can get hot in June, if he can get hot before the trade deadline, the Pirates would like to move him. I know to bring up Austin Meadows and, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, again, Kutch. If Kutch went to the Texas Rangers or or to the Orioles or to some team that uh, could offer him some lineup protection, where he wouldn't have to be the face of the franchise, where he could hit sixth or seventh. Um, then I think he could rebound. I think he's a guy who needs to, like Matt Kemp, you know, kind of get over being an MVP con- uh, conversation every year and just accept that, you know, he's going to be a good, solid, but not MVP caliber player anymore. New change of scenery. I think that could do wonders for Kutch. That's a, you know, that's some great baseball talk right there. I agree with you. My uh, my player, I think, is overrated is Freddie Freeman. He is not the 13th best player in our league. He is not going to hit 32 home runs and hit over 300 this year. I don't see it. I'm not a believer. I know you guys are, or at least I know last week I kind of got talked down a bit. But no, I'm not a believer in Freddie Freeman. I think that team is not strong around him. I think that uh, you know he is not going to step up and be that all-star player. We can take a look at the end of the season and see if I was wrong, but I, no way this guy is the 13th best player in our league. Um, real quick, let's take a look at the uh, the player draft and just get some quick hits from you guys in terms of the player draft in particular and, you know, who you think, you know, any, any big things that pop out on the player draft for you. So, um, you know, we I, I don't know if you guys can see it. I've got it up on the screen right there. So Jack, what's your what's your take on this draft? Was it a heavy, is this going to be a draft we're going to look back on and say, man, there are like six or seven just you know unbelievable players in this draft, or you know some good good pieces, but nothing really special, or something in between? Yeah, honestly, I um, I'm I'm interested to uh, to hear you guys' takes uh, a little more than mine. I have been um, there have been times where I felt completely on top of the minor league. Uh, system and this is not one of those years. So uh, last year I thought I I, I did extremely well um, in uh, my research and 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 it ended up uh, I ended up with Trey Turner's and and some other guys that I was very happy with. So uh, this year that did not happen. A <coughs> um, couple of things that did stand out. Um, uh, I think um, the one guy that that really really. Uh, very rarely do I have a number one, my number one that goes number one, and that happened. Sensel, um, uh, Hanager to to Mike, um, that guy looks uh, looks like he could be for real. Um, I mean, the the uh, uh, Greg at sixteen was a, a a great pick. Lewis was a good pick by you at twenty. Um, Margo at thirty one seems a little late if that guy's going to keep hitting like this. So. I would say that that Greg, in my opinion, was the winner of the draft. Uh, LJ, the loser, and uh, the reason I say that is because a he took Danny Valencia, period, and b um, 
that he was, uh, um, I think that the, the two biggest surprises for me in the draft was um, I had the Dodgers ranked fourth. I, I sat down, did a bunch of homework, uh, strikeouts to walks matter a lot. I had the Dodgers ranked fourth. Um, so when they dropped to eight, I was absolutely elated. Uh, LJ picked seventh and took the Blue Jays. Um, I don't hate the Blue Jays. I don't think they're a horrible pick, uh, but that was the Dodgers should have gone then. Um, and no offense, Tim, but I had the Giants uh, seven. So um, when they went fourth, I was pleasantly surprised. <laughs> and, uh, and you were right. They should have been 17th, I think, uh, is what we're saying, you know, first week. I mean, it's a tough first week in, in the desert, but, you know, golly, man, oh. Just a lot of second guessing going on in my household. Um, you know, I was pretty happy to get Bellinger at second. I was really concerned that Greg might take him. I like Senzel a lot. I just, I, I have a gaping hole at first base. I know you have Josh Bell, Greg. So picking first, you probably didn't prioritize first baseman. But, you know, I, I, I'm excited about this kid. I think he's a stud. I think he's going to hit in a perennial top lineup. He's got a good hit tool. He's got power. Uh, and I am, you know, I've got Encarnacion, Encarnacion on uh, as my first baseman. I'm, I'm, I'm in needing of that uh, uh, much. I like Ryan Healy. I thought that was a professional pickup, Jack. Uh, third base, uh, always a good position to have a solid backup. This guy seems like he's the real deal. He's a little older. Um, best name in the draft, Chance Cisco. Mm -hmm. I just want him on my team just to say I freaking have Chance Cisco on my freaking team. Uh, Broxton looks good. Jack, that's another one of yours. I like Mike Zanina, uh, St. Locash picking him up. I've been hearing a lot of talk in the Northwest up here. Greg, I don't know if you're picking up on that, but, uh, seems really good. Um, and then Jason Hayward, I think was the fastest pickup and drop of this whole draft, right? Greg, I'm you, that, did I do that? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. No, not at all. I, you know, I needed, I needed Hayward as bench depth because David Dahl was starting the year on the disabled list, you know, that bench is pretty damn short. Greg, anything else that you want from the, uh, from the draft? You know, uh, you guys covered it. Well, I will say, and I don't often toot my own horn, but I was pleasantly surprised to get Margot at 31, you know, that, that he's, he's a highly rated prospect. And so I was happy and, you know, and I, you know what, what I, I held off on him because he's a Padre. But uh, he, he's, he's off to a good start. He's a little guy with blazing speed, uh, but I, I hope he's like a Mookie Betts Jr. You know? But uh, the only other comment on the draft that I really appreciated, I don't think we've had such a deep player draft in my recent memory. And with, with the baseball acumen that exists in our league, to think that there were 36 or 7 players that weren't on rosters at the end of last year with this with this league, that there were 36 players that we scoped out and deemed draft worthy was fun and impressive. And it also makes me think, you know, who are the 36 or seven guys we cast aside to get to some of these prospects? And it just, wow. I think it goes to the high level of, you know, baseball acumen existing in this league to see the value of, prospects so it was well, that's what happens and and as the league gets deeper um and uh and and people's attention gets deeper and 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 you know deeper into the minors 
and uh, international and, and high school players. And, uh, you know, I saw a kid out here playing uh, Little League the other day and put one over left field fence. I stopped by and picked up his name just to, just to be sure. But so as those <laughs> things are happening, um, what is happening, one of the things that's happening is those guys that are in between, um, the guys that you pick up expecting big things, and then they don't perform for you immediately. They get dropped. Uh, the the Will Myers, the um, uh, you know, the, and then they, then those guys become uh, revaluable a couple years later, and they become the big uh, um, you know uh, draft pick that as far as a, a current player goes. So those are the guys that are uh, getting bounced around um, in the meantime. And speaking of which, uh, ironically enough. Um, when you said that, Greg, I only had 35 guys um, listed on my draft here. Um, so I scrolled up two spots, and, and now I have one more thing. Chris Owings picked up at number 36 overall with outfield and middle infield eligibility uh, could end up being the best player of this draft. That's a bold prediction. That is bold. You know, Jack, you make a great point when you talk about players who were redrafted um, I think, you know, maybe it's for another segment, but that's the uh, Bryce Harper, Mike Trout effect on uh, on our perception as fans. Zanino was the guy that Tim mentioned who two years ago was probably a top 10 pick in our drafts, if I recall, um, because he was coming out at a premium position uh, where there's not a lot of good hitters. And he had such a, a high rating and was advanced bat, but then he struggled. Right. And so at 22 or 23, uh, we write him off and off and he's gone. But, you know, th th he's a young guy and he may still well figure this out at 24, 25, 26 and, and be uh, a hell of a hell of a pickup for uh, for some team. Absolutely. That's why we keep the bench just at 10 players. Right. And uh, we're, the whole point is to try to get the trading and to, to, to make you feel uncomfortable about certain moves and uh, keep the, the player pool rich. But boy, oh boy, you're right. I think about that, um, just what happened. Uh, okay, excellent. I really liked hearing what you guys were saying and, and it helped me. I think I learned a lot. The next segment, it kind of rolls right into the next segment. I want to talk about this weirdness of what it is that we're doing and kind of talking about this league while we're actually competing in this league. So we'll be right back. talk about the weirdness that is this podcast as we're talking about uh, player evaluations we're talking about you know team construction we're talking about trading philosophies we're definitely going to get more into that as this podcast goes on and yet at the same time we're competing with each other 
So we're sharing information with competitors that value that information. And um, it's not just so simple as, well, I'll just tell them everything I think, because maybe that's not the case, or maybe that is the case. Uh, or maybe someone's going to try, Greg, you talked about maybe throwing some misinformation out there, which is really interesting, right? Because then, you know, you get into another layer of, well, is that misinformation or is that real information? Is he willing to kind of say something in a player prediction and look wrong to all this huge audience of the podcast while at the same time being able to pull off a trade that he wants to pull off of. And I, I just like to spend a, a little time talking about this again, Jack and I have uh, done this for literally two decades. Um, and, and my mission has always been clear, learn what Jack's doing and try to understand how to put it in place and beat Jack. So, you know, and I continue to try to do that all the time. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not always that easy uh, to do. We talked about a trade I was on a couple podcasts ago where, you know, he was putting the, the uh, he was charming me. The, I really wanted to trade with him. And he pulled off another trade while we were talking and boom, I was done, right? Um, and it was a real interesting look into how Jack trades and how he's able to still, you know, 23 years later, learning how he's trading. So I, I find this to be a little weird um, and, uh, and, and how we're doing this. And especially when we get into strategies of, uh, you know, team construction, Joe, uh, last week, Joe talked about, you know, he doesn't go for power. He goes for steals. That's a fundamental difference, uh, from a lot of our teams. And it also kind of helps me understand, okay, well, he's valuing speed. He's valuing a steal. Uh, a steal is essentially if you're, if you're on base with a walk or a single and you steal a base, it's a triple, uh, and a triple is pretty valuable. And so if you have 20 steals, that's essentially getting 20 triples in our scoring system. So uh, I don't know. You guys think that's weird or is this just kind of normal and, and it's what happens in this day and age? You know, I, I think that's the beauty of baseball is the utter complexity of it. And, you know, as you're describing how to build a team and construct a roster, you know, even in the major leagues, they don't make secrets of their team philosophies. And yet there is, um, you know, not endless variety, but a lot of variety. And as you were describing Joe and his philosophy, you know, Whitey Herzog leapt to my mind for some reason. And the running Redbirds from the uh, the 80s with Lonnie Smith and Willie McGee and Vince Coleman. Uh, and then I was thinking about your team and, and Earl Weaver comes to mind, you know, uh, three run homers. That's what we need. Three run homers. And so those philosophies were... Um, you know, well-known, but um, that didn't mean that there was there was a, uh, a singular, well-agreed-upon uh, formula for success. But let me, let me, all, so let me, yeah. let me, I get that, and I totally understand that. And, uh, you know, uh, we also know that uh, managers, baseball managers, are uh, classic about talking to the press and, uh, you know, saying things that are just bullshit or, or, or so innocuous and bland that no one picks anything up from it. Right. You're not, you're not giving away secrets, but we, we are in the gladiatorial ring, right? Um, well, maybe we're in the cages before we get out into the gladiator ring. And we're talking about specifically, well, when the guy comes in with a trident, you know, I usually take my net and throw it from the left side into the right side. Right. Wow. And then you come in and you have the trident, right. And I've got the net. And now I'm thinking, oh, I just told him, you know, specifically what I do. 
Do you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's it's it, it it's a yeah, very different thing. Right, philosophies or or thoughts on on players specifically. I mean, um, you know that that was always the game that me and Tim would would play. Is is you know one of us would call the other one, and uh, uh, you know, and then shortly into the conversation, you would understand that it was a, a trade call, um, and then. Uh, so the idea would be to, to to try to get the guy without the other person knowing that you have interest in him, and um, you know, and then uh, there's there's various uh, uh, routes of trading, and like I said, we maybe for a future podcast, uh, but um, uh, so so you know, sometimes the the player's name wouldn't be said for quite some time, uh, or 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 you you know you you play the game where you lack of interest in a guy and oh okay I'll take him and really you're not so so now with the assumption that we're going to be honest for the podcast sake uh, <laughs> now you know everybody's the opinion of this guy or that guy or this guy may, or is going to be different so uh, and it may not even be your guy or or, or my guy uh, you know uh, um uh you know, we, we uh, start talking about Christian Yelich, and uh, and you know, I talk about how much I love Christian Yelich, how great Christian Yelich is, and then two days later, one of you guys is talking to uh, uh, to uh, one of the Mondays, and uh, they're like, "Man, I'm thinking about moving Yelich," and oh, really? Um, so <laughs> again, at that point, <coughs> I don't see anybody saying, "Oh, you should give Jack a call; he'll give you plenty for him." I could see. <laughs> yeah. I could see a situation where you might grab Yelich and then offer him to me with the knowledge that so so just those those type of situations and again I think everybody kind of is set in their ways for the most part I don't think any of us can influence anybody else yeah but into- but you just brought up a phenomenal point there right so that that is a very real scenario that is a very real scenario I could be talking to Dusty Monday and he could say something like you know do you have interest in Yelich, right? Now, you guys know I, that uh, I, you know, I'm not as high on Yelich as you guys are, and, but yet I've spent hours going through these podcasts, right, being part of it, you know, mixing them down, and, and I, I know that. So then the question does become, I have that information. That information has value. What right. do I do with it? Do I, do I say, hey, Dusty, give Jack a call because then Dusty will remember and Dusty will look at me and saying, Geez, maybe I should run more trades through uh, Tim, right? Um, and uh, or do I just kind of mum and and say, geez, you know that's not right. And what's interesting is that for me, in thinking about this, for me it's the former. It's it's information that I have and talking with friends that I've been able to to kind of pick up um, as much as I've been able to pick up when you know Jack and I have a trade cock. Uh, you know, 10 years ago before Skype even existed and, and we'd have that conversation. But, you know, and I think that's different than if, you know, uh, someone wanted to pick up a player inappropriately, then obviously we wouldn't do something like that. But it, it is kind of weird because that question then comes up in, in my own mind is, you know, do I trade on this or do I not? Right. And, and Jack, you've talked about, you know, there are, there are groups of people, clicks, right. That, that kind of communicate more or less, um, yeah. you know, and, and there's information passed and this is, this is just basically another, another click, right. It's a new, yeah, it's a new click, but yes. Yeah. But yet it's also a master class in fantasy sports, you know, listen to you 
break down the, the, the player draft was really interesting to me because I'm learning. Yeah, oh, but we're listen. all going to be learning, right? And, and you know, with the assumption that the information that we're sharing has value, um, then then yeah, there may be a benefit to all of us above the guys that aren't on the podcast. But again, if uh, if we start sharing information within ourselves and all of us make the wrong calls throughout the season, then the best thing that's going to happen to the other six teams is not being a part of this shit show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I, I'm not exactly winless against Jack. But I'm four and fifteen in my in my franchise history against Jack. I, I have a winning record against nobody. You know what I mean? So uh whatever information I have to share, you know, uh people will probably be well advised to do the opposite. So uh that that's the complexity of baseball. And we're not talking about a league where there's a salary cap where we can just construct a roster of players and we have the common players on our rosters. You know the other the other limiting factor, no matter how uh, revealing we are and our philosophies are, that there's just finite amount of good players out there, and that you know it, it's about you know getting those really elite players, but then it's about the, the in in game decisions of who to substitute in when Posey goes down, or you know what players like your brother Jack who who gets picked up mid year. You know, it's those little decisions. And for me, it's not the philosophy that is, you know, the strategy is important. It's the execution. It's the it's the love of the detail and the time that we're willing to and or able to invest in, in analyzing our team and seeing what's going on around the league. Fair enough. There's like I said, as as it goes on, I'm in, I'm interested in the dynamic that it that it may or may not create. It's going to. There's just going to be. I'm going to share some some philosophy trades on on how I do things, and then the next time I call you up and ask for one of your guys, that's going to run through your head one way or the other. It may not affect it, and it may not be like I said. It may not be a positive or a negative, but it's just going to be a little different. And I'm interested in that. I think it's an interesting dynamic. You know, today I uh, I called Tim, and uh, to ask him uh, some advice on. Uh, on a trade in another league, and, and again, I'm you know playing in, in two leagues, and, and we get into that. I know we've talked about it a little bit, uh, so I'm I'm back in the original league that that Tim and and I formed back in in and I was looking today. I believe it was 1993. Um, wow. Gary Sheffield ha, ha, had gone from the Padres to the uh, Marlins, and I, I believe that's when we started. And um, so anyway, a deal in that league, and and uh, so I sat down and, and and went through the entire situation, and uh, figured out that none of the guys had uh, any validity on mine or Tim's team in this league. That none of us had the players that I was considering trading or receiving, um, so on and so forth. So I said, you know what, I I, I found it uh, okay to ask Tim's opinion on mm -hmm. some of these players. Um, again, it's not something I normally do. I can't tell you the last time I've done that to Tim. The only thing, if anything, I would call him and ask him to rank his players so I could decide on who I was going to trade for. But, um, uh, so I did, it was, it was an interesting conversation. Um, and, and he actually suggested that I bring it up on the podcast because, um, two of the, the main guys in the deal were both on your team, Greg. Oh, really? <laughs> so... <laughs> So um, the um, uh, I, I was I had George Springer 
and uh, I was looking to get Nomar Mazzara. Um, so I, you know, there's a difference in age, a little bit. There's a difference in obviously, uh, you know, Mazzara's ceiling is higher at this point based on his age. Um, although, again, you know, Springer was supposed to hit 40 a year, and and you know now he's 27 and uh, well on pace early. Um, I was getting some extra stuff in the deal, and um, so we kind of went through it. And, and uh, so I just wanted to – I've already done the trade, um, so now it doesn't really matter. Did, but I just did you do the sure. trade? Okay. I, I, after you, after Greg talked, I want to hear. I want to hear. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, two, two good players. So, so, if you, so right now on a keeper team, your team as is right now, you have to get one, rid of one of those two players, uh, all things considered. Uh, who do you get rid of? Well, I mean, you know, these things, these decisions we know don't occur in a vacuum. So it depends upon if my window is now or if my window is in the future. So if if this is my team we're talking about, and I do have both those players, and I had to get rid of one of those players today, I would get rid of Mazzara. You know, it, because it's just, there's, I mean, immense talent. He's 21 years old. Um, but... You know, there's the potential for him not to pan out. There's the potential right. for him to get injured, whereas Springer is uh, is pretty much in his prime, you know, um, and I think a really good player. Now, the downside on Springer, of course, is that he leads off. You know, um, uh, I generally prefer not to have leadoff hitters on my roster, but, you know, when you're going to have a leadoff hitter who can, who can knock it out of the park and steal some bases, that's not so bad. And if you're on... He has to be on a good team, you know, and, and both of those players are. So, uh, you know, that that's a that is a tough and, and close analysis. Now, if I was, you know, if I thought, well, this isn't my year, then it would be Mazzara. You know, uh, you know, Mazzara. Uh, I, I always place a high premium on potential, um, but you know, for me right now, this year, uh, Springer is like a cornerstone of my my team. It's funny. Let me throw I, a different. Hold on, Jack. Let me because because there's an interesting thing because Greg also has David Dahl. Mm. So if 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 David Dahl right, David Dahl's on your team, right? So David <laughs> Dahl, Namar, uh, Mazzara, and Springer, and you could get someone back for Springer, right? Oh yeah. Then does Dahl and Mazzara? equal now and tomorrow no no they, no, they still it's still about tomorrow for both of those oh, players wow. i mean okay. for yeah. doll i mean doll has an injury you know doll has an injury history let's be honest um but but then you know again i i rank a guy higher if he plays in course field so you know uh there's premium there but i mean springer's a stud you know i, I traded springer for puig uh two or three years ago. And, and I remember I really annoyed somebody in the league when I did that because they, they thought I was giving Puig to, to the Mondays for some reason. And I was like, nah, Puig's a head case. I like spring. That's, that's a badge of honor, by the way, when you make a trade and people are upset about it and then it pays off. That's a, just a badge of honor. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jack, but uh, I just wanted to point that out that, that given our conversation, it's really interesting how, Greg broke that down. That's pretty similar. So what did you do, Jack? That's my question. Um, so the deal that was on the table at that moment uh, was Mazzara, Polanco, and Zobrist for Springer, Dahl, 
and Gordon, mm-hmm. who I would, would be giving up. Uh, what I ended up doing was uh, I received Mazzara, Polanco, and I gave him uh, Springer and Gordon. I kept them. Oh, yeah, you won that trade. Yeah, you won that trade. So, but my team is much like yours. My team is more so like yours. I am a strong favorite to win this year. So giving up Springer scared me because, uh, but I do have some other guys that I can slide into that spot and uh, and be okay with. I think they're not going to give me Springer numbers, but the idea of having Mazzara and Dahl for the future excited me enough that uh, I, I think I can afford to take a couple point hit in that position. But I did worsen my team this year and I believe I'm going to win the championship. So that was a, a risky thing to do. But what, what Gordon are we talking about? Al, Alex Gordon? No, no, no. D Gordon. Oh, you know. D Gordon. I was going to say, my God, you give up Alex Gordon and you're sweating it. Jesus. Uh, D Gordon. No, no, yeah, no. Okay. yeah. That, that's it was just the Springer, the Springer to, you know, Polanco even is, you know, going to be a couple points below Springer. Uh, sure. You know, Mazzara even at his best is, is going to be this year, a couple points below Springer. Um, you know, so it's going to be hard to replace that, 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 you know, not, he's not going to do what he did all, you know, this week, all year, but still by the end of the year, I'm going to be down a couple points in that position, but the, the future of Mazzaro is worth it in my opinion. Yeah. But you know, I, you, you made a great trade because you know, the, the rate stats for Springer are probably going to be good, but he's dependent on people in his lineup yeah. to help him reach full potential where Polanco is Could batting you imagine if, Altu- if Altuve was hitting this past week? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, but Polanco's hitting cleanup for the Pirates. Yeah, so yeah. it might be an uglier point production. He might only hit 268 and have 25 home runs, but he might drive in 104. Where where Springer, you know, and, and Polanco's going to steal bases, you know. Uh, so that that's a good, that's a really good trade, I think. Thank you. I, yeah, I think it's close enough, and and. Again, not my hopes are Mazzara makes it, so I have to decide. I already have Marte in the outfield, um, so so uh, you know I'm hoping that I have to decide between Marte and and Polanco on a weekly basis if Mazzara can keep it up. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I hope he does. <laughs> <laughs> so again, just another uh, weird uh, uh, aspect of the league, and and like I said, being in multiple leagues. Um, you know, to, to, to take information from one to the other. I think that's kind of interesting as well. Sometimes, like I said, it's a pain in the butt. Uh, you know, the second league, we, I started it, we left it. I got back into it, me and Tim, as a challenge because uh, we just wanted to come in. We, we, got, we picked up the worst team that was in the league. I don't think they had ever won more than six games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and within three years, we won the championship. And the only reason I've done it since then is because the team's so friggin' good, Greg. It's an investment, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, I just, yeah, that's good. I don't pay a lot of attention to them. I fix the the injuries when they happen, and uh, and I make the championship and either win or lose it every year. So that is definitely a story for another time. But so when Jack was talking about uh, 24 years ago, was the original Juiceless League. And we didn't call it juiceless at the time, but that was the original league. This is actually a splinter league off that original league that still went on. But most Mm. of the team, so it was myself, Jack, uh, and a few other people came to this new league. And then we had new players coming in. And there was a a pretty 
severe reason as to why. And so then, but Jack and I went back to prove a point. And, you know, Jack has continued to prove that point over and over and over again. And I love that you're taking their money, man. I just freaking love that you're taking their money. Good for you, man. Four of us are in in both of them, Greg, if you're not aware. LJ, Mike, and Mike's dad are also both in the other league. Oh, wow. So, so Jack, you're like Ken Shamrock bouncing between Bellator and Strike Force and the UFC, you know? That is correct. That's what <laughs> me and Mikey, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Remember those old UFC fights, Jack? Remember we used to... I got to, uh... I got to meet Shamrock, actually. He's a pretty nice guy a few years back. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. Were you in a strip club? No, oddly enough, it was a... Uh, um... back you know already you're you're less than a point behind me now <laughs> uh, oh my god yeah it's gonna be a hell of a game the one thing when i again and not to you know sound too cocky about myself or my my buddy tim there but um if i had 100 bucks in my pocket i would bet on our teams scoring quite a bit of points here in the next couple of weeks so if not this week, then, but usually when you, when you have a team that good shit that badly, it usually makes up for itself within a few weeks. No uh, doubt. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. You're, you're talking about regression, right? But then the question is like, it really comes down to, I've had to, I used to think I was fucking badass, And then, you know, I'm starting to look at, you know, I, I think we've, we've got a league of owners that, yeah, really. There's I mean, no there's no doubt it. I, I like I said, the other league I'm in is is a little bit different. That's like the old league, in my opinion, um, where I, I just put in a lineup and then cash my check at the end of the year. <laughs> this one has become uh, much much more interesting, and um, I am, like I said, I, I've never. In all these years we've played, I've never had to seriously consider just fucking stopping and rebuilding. Um, I've always been able to pick up this or pick up that or maneuver this or maneuver that. And um, I'm to the point where I'm like, God damn it, I'm fucking 35 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Scotty was, was at my house for the players draft. And uh, Greg was nursing a hangover, so Greg couldn't come over. And um, and so Scotty has this spreadsheet. So, and Greg, you know this, right? Scotty has his spreadsheet. He's a he actually guy. he's a numbers guy, and he had he had actually spreadsheet. He had his spreadsheet, he had his uh, iPad up, and his spreadsheet. And his the first column 
that he did was the age of his team and the average age of his team. And he's he he was proud that he brought the average age of his team down three and a half years. And I was like, come on, man. Like you've been in the league for like four years. And then listening to Greg break down that trade, right? And you know, Greg's he's he's you know, we've been doing this for 24 years. He's been doing it for one third of the time. And frankly, he sounded better than I did this afternoon. I and mean, that that is kind of the like like that's kind of um that mindset, the mindset, the fear I have of my current team here is kind of why I ended up doing the trade in the other league. Is is I don't want to hold on to everybody yeah. too long. You you have to ride them and and in order to get good value out of them, you have to. It's the the Barry Bonds situation. You have to trade them when they're actually still good at some point and have some fucking value. So, so there's this thing in business called the profit trap, and and what happens is is that a, a company has a service or a product that is so valuable that every dollar you put into producing more of that service or that that product gives you a greater return than putting a dollar of investment into the product or service that will will eventually replace it. And um, AI, so uh, the, 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 the organization that Greg and I uh, worked together in fell into a profit trap. And, and, and he and I uh, were part of the effort to get it out of that profit trap. And um, actually, he's still fighting the good fight. I, I, I stepped out of it. But what you're talking about is that very uh, factor. It's the profit trap that, that your players get to the point where you, you can't trade them because they're too valuable, yet you're not able to rebuild your team. Right. right. And, and I'm in a, and, and there's different kind of values there too. Right. So John Carlos Stanton is his own kind of profit trap. Right. Cause it's all potential that he hasn't realized yet. And everyone knows it's there, but no one wants to take the risk and they're not going to pay me for what that potential value is. Right. right. Um, sure. And so I'm kind of stuck in that trap as well. But um, you, you call it the Barry Bonds trap because that's what, what happened with Chris, right? He won a, a couple of, uh, he won a couple of years. And won, then, yeah, and then and then and then he retired on his team, and you know he, he just went from having the greatest player in fucking fantasy baseball history to not getting anything for him by the time he left your team. And um, I know Greg's still kind of new, so I don't think he's experienced any of this since all his guys were fucking twenty two when he started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you know, yeah, and, and Greg, Greg really kind of. You know, Greg, I tell you this all the time, but you really just took your punches. You you, yeah. you kept a good positive attitude, and and I I really think you've got the the team this year. But but if I was to look at the the ten teams, the one team I think that that has fallen in that profit trap is reared and metal. Um, yet if you look at his minors, right, his minors are actually pretty impressive. Yeah. So it's another way of going at it, right? He's got he's got Pujols, right? He's got McCutch, um, he's got some guys that that are aging, um, and that, that you know, can he fill it? It's like two teams: the infield and the outfield. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a good got point. Got the youthful stud infield and like the the venerable aged outfield, you know? You know, if someone had some sack, right? They they would build a team of all these guys that are 30 and older 
that could that could that could crush. Right. Yeah. 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 You'd, yeah. You'd either win or you spend a lot of money. Well, on don't it. you think that's what Pops aspires that's, to do? He inspire. Yeah, he aspires to. But he's not capable of getting yeah. the guys that you should. The Cabreras, the Batistas. So he ends up with all the. He doesn't recognize the thirty-three-year-olds who have some have three years left versus the thirty-three-year-olds. Who don't? So all right. right. So, so let's right. do this. So he's got a very good point. To, to go against the grain can work for you if you like. Like he mentioned with Joe, uh, again, the, the popular opinion is get home runs. Some people to their detriment, Mike's dad. Yeah. But the, the popular opinion is to get home runs. So if everybody's going at home runs, chances are there's going to be a lot of fucking steals left out there. And if you can get the uh, again, a, a solo home run requires three steals. So, and Tim put it, he's right. A, a, a single and a steal is a triple, but the guys that hit home runs get singles too. So you're really just comparing the two points to the six to nine you're going to get out of a home run. And at that point, it is hard to make it up. So you really need to get, you know, 90 steals to to, to be a, a 30 home run guy. Exactly. But if you get enough 60 and 70 steel guys that can do a little bit here, a little bit there, then then you could win this this thing with that philosophy. In but my there's no, there's very few 60 and 70 steel guys. There's and, not a lot. Yeah. And nobody, there's no such thing as a three run steal. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. Exactly. Yep. But four of the first six World Series games, or World Series is, uh, Joe. Uh, was in he was he with he was in those World Series is I guess that's the way you say it, but he did it in a way that was really unconventional and and it, and it really warped my mind and warped warped Jack's mind because we would break down his team and we could not see, mm. you know. Now unfortunately for for Joe, it took him till the fourth time to actually win the trophy, but it it was super interesting and he stuck with that. But let me just let's just do a thought experiment real quick here, guys. Um, pull up Bad Street. Look at his team. By the way, Adam Duvall is crushing it. Hit a home run and uh, is at three point two points this week. So, and Duda is at three point four. And I think we were trashing Duvall last week. But what would you do? So suddenly, Jack, this is like the other league, right? We take over the 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 team least likely to win the World Series. What do you do with this team? You have to trade. Um, Sano, unfortunately, is yeah, really, yeah, for sure. You have to trade him, you have to get a couple of guys a notch down. Um, you have to get rid of Gordon, you have to get rid of Longoria now, immediately. Um, and uh, and you have to draft well. <laughs> I mean, I, I look at the I look at Pops's bench, and their combined age is like a thousand, you know yeah. what I mean. You would have to you would have to have a fire sale of your miners because they do have some value, and then find the next O'Neill and 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 right. It's pick and you know Pop's downfall isn't his player evaluation; it's his willingness to trade his draft picks away. Right. Yep. yep. You know he he should. I mean he should have the four best prospects in baseball or the five best prospects in baseball on a regular basis right. if he's finishing last every year. Right. And then he should have the best pitching staff 
or one of the best pitching staffs that he can trade mid-year to some emerging second-year player. But he doesn't do that. He wants to win now. Yeah, he's like me, but with a worse team. Right. <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, no, no. he has no patience. He wants to win now. David, I, I have no patience. I just put a team together that at least I have a shot each year, as opposed to trading away all my minor league guys and not having a shot. So, I, well, I did hear the pain in your voice when you were saying I might have to rebuild. I mean, that is just so contrary. But I, kind of looking at uh, Pop's team. Could this be a team where you trade a Sano, right? You trade uh, some of these younger guys uh, for players that are 29, 30, 31 to someone who is so enamored with youth like myself or like we talked about with Scotty and and actually get greater value in return. Like he, he could get a Giancarlo Stanton for less than it would cost anyone else, right? Because he could, he could, you know, there, there's all this projection on Sano, but you know, we 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 know what, or you know, regardless, whomever, right? You could say, you know, really anybody, but he's he's got a Duda, he's got a Duvall. I mean, could that be what Pops is doing? You know, could he be looking at a 30, 30 and over team? No, he that's no. he's not consciously doing that. No. no, it's home runs. He just wants home runs. Like well, and, and, you know, and, and Pops, you know, he he's. He doesn't want to operate in any uncertainty. So he waits until a, a player either proves himself right. a stud or proves himself a flop. And by then, too late. it's too late. Right. You know, he's unwilling to trade Sano now. He's unwilling to trade Sano until, until everybody absolutely knows what Sano is. And if Sano's terrible, then nobody's going to want him, you know? He doesn't make any speculative moves. He doesn't. He doesn't embrace any risk. Yeah, that well, that certainly makes sense in terms of yeah. what he's built. And you know, in this league, a dynasty league where there's no contractual limits on a player, you know, you've got to be willing to speculate. And and quite frankly, we put enough spots on the team that you can speculate. Oh yeah, you you want to you want to get sixty percent of your moves right, two thirds of your moves right. You know. For every Mazzara that I have, I'll I have Arenado staring me in the face. For every Springer trade, I have you know other players that I've given up that are you know good you know. But it, it's about winning more of those than you're losing you know. But Pops doesn't want to do that you know. He wants to put his chips on the table after the dealer shows his cards. But it's too late <laughs> you know. Right, and he reaches too far sometimes for some of the kids so. He wants to, to, he has that same, I want to impress people more so than be correct. So that, that can hurt as well. Yeah. Well, hey, look, I want to impress people too, for sure. sure um, I it. really do. But I, I also understood that, you know, I, I there, there are times when I want to do something and I can't, right? And I just need to be okay with that. Like that impulsiveness isn't going to work. But that's an interesting, I, 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 I don't know that I could ever do it because I really do like the prospect game. A lot, but I, I just there's value in this league at going that way. Now that I look at this, especially looking at our player draft, I mean, our right. player draft used to have about 50 pro 50 percent prospects, 50 percent replacement level players, and now I think it was more like 85 15. 
just off yeah, the top you, of my head. Like, you look at the free agents available, and it's like, wow, they are tempting at a certain level, you know? Yeah, I, I took all... I don't think I took a um, – oh, yeah, I took that high school kid back. Other than that, I took three, if you consider Tim Anderson established, three established players, and I, I didn't take anybody other than the high school kid that, uh, that you know, hadn't played in the major league. Um, when did you draft. take Beck? Was Beck your last one? Was Beck, that? was Beck your last pick? I believe so. I'm not sure. But the only reason I did that is because I knew nobody else would, that everybody else was focused on fucking, you know, eight-year-olds. Um, so I just kind of poked through. I needed a third baseman. I fought with everybody to try to get a third baseman. Couldn't get – I didn't want to give up on Franco, but so I didn't want to pay too much, but I needed a backup. I had no backup. So um, once I got through that conversation I talked to you about with Chris, I said, fuck it. And uh, and I decided at that point I was just going to take Healy first overall and 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 hope so. And of course I put Healy in this week and Franco hits a home run on my bench. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. So well, you Jens, took. I, I got a roll. Yeah, Sorry. understood. No, no, <laughs> thanks. This was wonderful. All right, guys, we'll 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 talk to you later. Be good, guys. Bye. All right, bye bye.
about me, maybe throwing a party.